Hello sisters, this is Ola Davis with yet another episode of When Marriage Hurts. Um, so this is episode number nine, um, episode number nine, and it's a, essentially a part two of the topic that we started off with last week, talking about what is emotional abuse. So on this episode, we're just going to continue um, discussing some other signs of emotional abuse and um yeah essentially and kind of give a little bit of context by you know giving examples of how this might play out in a relationship so um please stay tuned make yourself com- comfortable get in a quiet place where you're not distracted um cuz we're going to um dive deeper into some of the signs of emotional abuse So stay tuned and I'll see you on the other side. Hey sis, welcome to the When Marriage Hurts podcast. I'm your host, Ola Davis. My mission is to help Christian women in painful marriages become aware of the marriage lies our society and religion has programmed our heads with. Are you tired of marriage advice that always blames you for whatever goes wrong in your marriage? Have you attended all the marriage seminars seeking help only to be blamed and shamed for your marriage problems? Has your marriage become the source of your greatest pain? Have you lost hope of being happily married? Are you just hanging in for the sake of your kids? I've been there before. I know what it is like to feel alone in marriage, yet feel trapped by the wedding vows that I made. Together, we will discover scriptural truths that set us free from the pain so that healing can begin. Oh yeah, let's shake some tables. Alright, welcome back. Okay, so let's get started. Um, I would actually like to start this episode with another Bible verse. Ladies, it is amazing the number of Bible verses that you can find that it's related to emotional abuse. Um, I And I keep talking about the Bible and what it says about this. Because growing up in the society that we did grow up in, emotional abuse is something that can be easily dismissed. And when you dismiss something, when you don't even acknowledge that it exists, then you can't really solve the problem. You can't really help someone who's been abused in this way. Another thing that it does is it isolates the victims. Because for someone to come out and say, this has been done to me, it takes a lot of courage. Now, for them to have that courage and speak out and just have people dismiss their concerns or even have them ridiculed, like, oh, it's all in your head or like, who doesn't have marriage issues? Like, what you're going through isn't even a thing. That just further isolates the victim and the damage continues. So the Bible verse that I'll be starting off with today, it is Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18. And I will read this in the New Living Translation. It says, reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So it says, reckless words pierce like a sword. I don't know if you've ever been pierced with a sword. I haven't. 
I might have seen it in movies, uh, but it's pretty, it's pretty drastic. It's, it's a drastic way to hurt someone or even kill them, actually. Um, so just try to have this mental image of a sword piercing through someone's soul or piercing through someone's body, even. So it says, reckless words pierce like a sword. Think of the damage that a sword can do on a human being. And the Bible is saying here in Proverbs 12, 18, that words can actually do that to a person. Okay, so um, let's keep talking about signs of emotional abuse. One major sign is that the abuser manipulates and controls their victim. Like that is like the hallmark of emotional abuse, really. Everything that they do, everything that the abuser does is for the purpose of manipulating and controlling their victim. So even though we've talked about a lot of other signs in the previous episode, which if you haven't listened to that, I highly recommend that you do listen to that episode. Everything that we've talked about and that we will be talking about in this episode really boils down to manipulation and control. The aim of the abuser is to break down a person's boundaries, break down their barrier and manipulate and control them. So the next sign that I'll be talking about is that the abuser humiliates their victim, whether in public or in private, they humiliate their victim. And this humiliation can take on different forms. So it could be the abuser actively humiliating his victim, or it could be that the abuser watches while other people humiliate the victim. So like the husband and wife situation, the husband himself might be the one humiliating his wife in public or behind closed doors, or he could just watch other people do it, right? Especially if he's a religious kind of person that has to look holier than thou to everybody <laughs> in in public. So this would be the kind of man that other people would tear his wife down in his very presence. People would say derogate, derogatory, oh, okay, I'm having trouble speaking English today. <laughs> derogatory words, yeah, there we go. Derogatory words about his wife in his presence and he's just going to keep quiet like he doesn't even know what they're talking about. So he's either the one humiliating the wife or he watches it happen and he doesn't even care. Another sign is when they use your fears and your, they essentially use the good traits that the victim has against her. So usually the people that fall victim to this kind of abuse are usually compassionate people, people that love to help other people, people that are... They call them empaths, like they show empathy, they love to care for other people, they're compassionate, you know, all this good and wonderful things that we should, good traits that we should have as Christians, right? So these are the people that usually fall victims to this kind of abuse. Now, does that mean that we shouldn't be um, loving and caring people? No, we should be that. We should just learn ways not to let people use that to take advantage of us. So going back to my point, they would use this good traits against the victim. They would also use the victim's fears against that victim. I'm trying to think of a very good example of this. So for a woman who's a Christian who's trying to 
um, live a life according to scriptures. The scripture says that we should submit to one another, right? So she's trying to submit in a marriage. The husband might come around to try and do something that's just wrong in every sense of the word. And when the wife tries to say, well, I'm thinking maybe we shouldn't do this. You know, the husband is just going to be like, well, shouldn't you be submitting to me? Like, are you, are you even sure you're a Christian? Right? So they're kind of pushing those hot buttons because they know that this woman is a Christian who loves God, who wants to please God in a marriage. So they kind of bring out that weapon. It's almost like a stick that they eat on her head and be like, well, are you not a Christian? Aren't you supposed to be submitting? <laughs> That's not what submission is about, by the way. Um, so they use the, the woman's values, uh, good traits against her, or maybe a desire to care for people. Maybe she's compassionate. Um, and if she ever gets to a point where she's like, okay, I'm not going to take this anymore. I'm walking out of this relationship. I'm walking out of this marriage. The abuser will come and be like, well, you know that I love you so much and there's nothing I can do without you. And if you leave me, I'm just going to kill myself. I'm just going to kill myself. They're trying to play on the, on the woman's compassion because now she's thinking, well, I mean, if I leave and he kills himself now, his blood is going to be on my hands, right? So that kind of manipulates the victim into staying in that marriage, staying in that relationship, no matter what's happening to her in there. Because at that point, she's not thinking about herself. She's not thinking about her own well-being. She's thinking about the well-being of the abuser, as sick as that sounds. Moving on to the next sign on my list. I mean, this isn't an exhaustive list, by the way. It's just a few signs that I've kind of put together and just to enable us have some insight into what this abuse could look like. So another thing that they do, this abusers, is that they exaggerate a person's flaws. They exaggerate their, their victim's flaws. It could be, it, it doesn't, it's, it may not be something made up, right? It may be a fact, but they're going to exaggerate it and use it to really hurt that person, hurt their victim. So maybe the woman is overweight, right? They're going to kind of exaggerate her flaws. They're going to play on that. They're going to try to shame her for her weight. Now, remember, we're talking about this in the context of marriage. So when a man looks at his wife who just recently had a baby and they start saying mean things about her body, that is all shades of wrong, my people. I think I need to park here for a little while and talk about this. When a woman comes to tell you that, oh, this is what my husband's saying about my body, people tend to say the most ridiculous things like, ah, well, you two, you've gained some weight now, eh? Start, start eating less and my sisters, let's not continue to be partners in abuse. Okay, let's not continue to be to to be partner to destroying other people. Now, am I trying to advocate that when people have babies, they shouldn't try and lose the weight? No, that's not what I'm saying. But when someone comes to meet you and say, "This is what I'm going through at home. I'm being shamed. I'm being I'm being treated in such unloving ways because I've gained this weight because I just had a baby." Try to show some empathy first. And if you're the kind of person that's been blessed with, 
you know, just having a wonderful figure, like you could just pop babies like that and still be looking like a model. Thank God for your life. Some of us don't have that kind of gift. <laughs> you know, we don't have those kind of genes. Mm? Some of us have to bust our behind to lose weight after having a baby. So let's show some compassion. Let's not say artful words. Let's not contribute to someone's pain. Because it's beyond just gaining weight, all right? It's beyond just gaining weight. And the fact that someone's overweight doesn't mean they haven't been trying. They could just have more things working against them in their journey to losing weight. So let's try and be more supportive and think of ways that we could help that person rather than further tear them down. Rather than say awful things like, you are even lucky your husband is a Christian. If it was like some other men, you would have had like five girlfriends by now. Look at how fat you've become. Please, really. Like really, is that what Jesus would do? Anyway, I'm going off on a tangent now. So I was saying they could, the abuser would exaggerate someone's flaws just in an attempt to try and tear that person down. That's what it really is. It's not because they have some concern about the person's health or they, they want the person to be healthy. No, they would find ways to tear the person down. As a matter of fact, I've, I've heard a woman that was in an emotionally abusive marriage that she was in great shape. She was going to the gym like three days a week. And her husband would say things like, you're starting to go to the gym too much. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy. He would complain about how much she's working out. Which leads me to the next sign of an emotional abuse, emotional abusive relationship is that the abuser is really envious is what it is. They're envious of their victim's strength. They're envious of what that person, the good qualities that that person has that they don't have. So they're just going to try and tear the person down. So everyone, every other person in the, in, in the victim's world, whether they're family members or their friends or their co-workers might say nice things like, oh, you're looking really, you're looking really nice. Like this whole workout thing is working for you. The husband is going to be like, you're working out too much. And they're just going to find ways to tear down whatever self esteem that person has kind of gotten uh, by working on, on their health, working on their weight, working on their body. They're going to try and rob them of that. Another sign, I think I might have discussed this one in the previous episode, um, but it, it, it never hurts to say it again because it's it has really damaging consequences. And that's the fact that they lie. I'm telling you, abusers are liars. I've never heard of one who does not tell lies. Now, when I say they tell lies, lies aren't always about saying something that did not happen. A lie could just be saying a little bit of what happened, but omitting the truth. Like omitting all those facts that distorts the picture that a person has about the truth. So they would either deny that an event happened or they would admit to it happening and say, well, yeah, something like that happened, but that's not how it happened. This is how it happened. So they create their own alternative truth, if you will, just to confuse their victim, to confuse other people that are kind of getting involved in the matter. Let me put it that way. So like if a, if, if they're in counseling, for instance, if they're in marriage counseling, um, the abuser would distort facts would say oh that's not how that happened that's not how that happened and they will create their own alternative truths which kind of puts 
the counselor in a difficult situation, right? Because if you're trying to counsel two people and they're giving you two different versions of the story, you really can't move forward, right? (laughs) So yeah, abusers do that. And that's why marriage counseling doesn't work with abusers. Listen, my sisters, if you're married to someone that's abusive, marriage counseling is a waste of your time. It's not a marriage problem. These people have behavioral problems. Okay, enough said. Another thing that emotionally abusive people would do is withhold affection. So these people would give their spouses silent treatment. And it doesn't even, sometimes you can't even figure out why they're withholding affection from you. Like you might not even be able to trace it to something specific. The abuser is just upset about whatever is upset about with you because abusers are selfish people that want the world to revolve around them. They don't, if you're married to them or if you're in a relationship with them, they essentially want to be the God in your life. And the moment that you're showing that they're not God, that they're important to you quite all right, but they are not God, it's going to get them upset. So they are going to try and withhold affection from you and give you the silent treatment. Now, I've mentioned the fact that these people act like God. They think they're God in your life, okay? They might be Christians. They might acknowledge that there's a God greater than them that created them. But in reality, in reality, they they have a God complex. They have a God complex. They believe that you're there to provide everything that they need, which, you know, in marriage, there's some truth to that. Like your partner, you should meet each other's needs. But in the mind of of an abuser, they're not there to meet your own needs. You are there to meet their own needs. So there's there's no such thing as, oh, love being reciprocal. No. Or respect being reciprocal. No. Everything flows in one direction. So you give them love. You give them attention. You meet their needs. They just give you pain in return is what they give you. So they just take, 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 take from you, suck the life out of you and give you nothing good in return. That's what an abuser does. So they treat you like you're inferior because they strongly believe you're inferior. It doesn't matter what they say. See, they could, they could even, you know, say, oh, I'm a feminist, right? (laughs) They could be all for women's rights. They could be all for gender equality. They could be all for It doesn't matter what people say. It's really their actions that matter. What they're doing to their loved ones behind closed doors. They will treat you like you're inferior. They would blame you for their own mistakes. So even when you try to confront them and say, oh, you did this really hurtful thing, they would say, oh, you know, that's because you did blah, blah, blah. They never take responsibility. I believe I've said this on a previous episode. I can't remember exactly which one maybe episode three or four, there was an episode on um, what is marital abuse. Those are good episodes as well. If you haven't listened to those, I highly recommend that you do, okay? Um, But yes, an abuser never accepts responsibility for anything. So they're going to flip everything back on you. They're going to blame you for their own mistakes. They're going to blame you for whatever they did wrong. And they never apologize. And someone's thinking, well, that sounds like my father. (laughs) I said before that most of us grew up in abusive households. And for that reason, it's been sort of normalized. And that's why we marry men that treat us that way as well. Now, 
do not be deceived you would sometimes find abusers that would apologize but if you really analyze their apology they are really like non-apologies okay so if someone says things like well i'm sorry i cheated on you i wouldn't have cheated on you if you know you are not gained so much weight and you're looking like a shapeless amoeba or something <laughs> so they would give you this kind of apologies that would make you wish they never apologize so even in their apologies they're gonna hurt you this example is about someone cheating right now um, I'll think of another example they could say things like if you confront them about something that they did that 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 really hurt you they could say something like well I'm sorry you feel that way that's not really an apology because essentially what they're saying is I really didn't do anything to hurt you you just decided that you were going to be hurt by this that's what that is so that's not a real apology or they would say stuff like well, I'm sorry if you feel that I'm not showing you love. So in essence, they're saying, I'm showing you love. You're just not acknowledging it. So some of them would, they would give such fake apologies, but majority wouldn't even apologize for anything. They would just flip it back on their victim, blame their victim for stuff. You know, or say things like, well, I wouldn't have yelled at you if if you weren't bugging me or something. Like, I wouldn't have slapped you if you had been respectful. So they never take responsibility. They just blame you for, you know, they, they blame you for their own bad actions. Sadly enough, churches do this too. <laughs> when couples come to them for quote-unquote counseling, they heap blame on the person who's been victimized. They find excuses for the abuser. Anyways, that, that's a whole topic on its own that we're not going to go into today. So another sign is that they, they will just say words that tear you down generally. So they could, which kind, which is really verbal abuse, right? So they're verbally, emotionally abusive people are usually verbally abusive as well. Now, the degree to which they're verbally abusive could, it could vary right so while some of them might call you stupid dirty fat like all these words there are other kind of abusers that are really covert introverted kind of people so they're not going to use such words but they still have their own coded ways of being verbally abusive towards a person so they might just say things like oh you're controlling which kind of leads me into another sign of an abuser <laughs> So they could say things like, oh, you're, you're controlling, you this woman, you're trying to manipulate me, right? And that's another thing that a, an abuser does. They project their own faults onto you, which is kind of brilliant if you think about it. So they know that they're controlling, they know that they're manipulative, but they're going to accuse you of doing those things. Whatever they're doing to you, they're going to accuse you of doing or, or, or accuse you of doing those things to them. Of course, if it's like your typical abuse victim that's really compassionate, that has those Christian values, and your husband tells you you're being controlling and manipulative, that's really hurtful. Because you would think to yourself, well, I'm trying to be the best wife there is to my husband. I'm trying to love him. I'm trying to respect him. I'm trying to honor him. And then he tells you that you're controlling and manipulative you know, that kind of stings, right? And that could even lead 
a woman to start saying, oh God, please have mercy on me. Forgive me. If I've been trying to control my husband, God, please, I repent. Forgive me. So they kind of put the spotlight on you. That's what abusers do. And when they put that blame on you, when they put that spotlight on you, they put the focus off of themselves. It kind of changes, switches the topic. So they kind of keep you busy. Because if you're off there in your bedroom, on your knees, praying for forgiveness, asking God to help you be a better wife that's not controlling a husband, you're not thinking of what it was that you were discussing with them originally before they flipped that on you. So emotionally abusive people play this mind games. (laughs) is what they do they play mind games on their victims they keep you occupied with that if you later recover from that and come to them to say something else about oh you did this thing or this thing that you're not doing is hurting me they're gonna put some other blame on you and that's because they know that the their victim is someone that's introspective right like if someone says hey and which is what Every healthy person should be like. If someone says, oh, you are X, Y, Z. There's a part in every emotionally healthy person that says, let me take a pause. Am I really this way? Is there a reason why this person's saying I'm this way? Is there something about what I said or how I acted? Now, this is very, this is what's normal. This is what every healthy, emotionally matured and healthy person should do. But an abusive person doesn't have that. They are not introspective people. The world is at fault for anything. Like they believe there's nothing wrong with them. They have no faults. But if they have any faults, then the world is responsible. It's every other person's fault except them. That's how an abuser thinks. So they know that you're introspective. So when they blame you for stuff and put the focus back on you, they know that's going to keep you busy for a while. You're going to be thinking, well, Is there any truth to what this person is saying? Because they are not going to do that. They are not going to think that way about themselves. Um, So I think we've mentioned the fact that they they can be sarcastic. Also, like I mentioned earlier, they, they see you as inferior. So they're usually condescending. And an abuser might not treat everybody in their life this way. You know, there are different kind of abusers. Some are, you know, the introverted ones only do the stuff behind closed doors to the person they're married to or the, the their loved ones, which could include the children as well, while the extroverted ones would exhibit this behavior outside of the home. So they're usually condescending. Another thing that emotionally abusive people do is they try to isolate their victims. So they might control how much um, contact you have with your family of origin. And by family of origin, I mean like your parents, your siblings, they want to know who you're talking with on the phone, who you're communicating with. These people essentially treat you like you're their property. They treat you like you're a slave. They don't treat you like you're an adult that can make decisions, that can decide who you talk to and who you don't talk to. So they're going to tell you, I don't want you talking to this person. You know, your sister is kind of promiscuous. I don't want you having any kind of relationship with her. (laughs) Crazy stuff, I know. They treat you like property. They control the finances. And it doesn't matter who's making the income, okay? As a woman, you could be making more money than your husband. It doesn't mean, it doesn't stop him from controlling your finances. So whether he's making the money, you're making the money, you both are making the money. 
They are the only ones that have the right to speak on how the money is spent. And they don't include you in those decisions because, of course, they think of you as inferior. So you see how all the signs kind of tie in together. Yes, so they isolate you from your family and friends. They try to control who you see and who you don't see. Sometimes they don't say that you can't see some people, but they just try to control the kind of conversation, um, the tr- kind of relationship, excuse me, that you have with those people. If you want to go visit your parents, for instance, an abusive person might insist on going with you. Not because they also want to visit your parents, but they just want to kind of control. They don't want you to go say something there that they don't approve of. So they want to be there. Um, some abusive people would accuse you of cheating. And usually that's because they are cheating, really. So like I said earlier, they project their own faults on you. So they could accuse you of cheating even when they have no reason to believe that. Um, They would start arguments with you. They would call you names, give you the silent treatment. I mean, we've talked about that. They would trivialize your concerns, all right? I mean, it doesn't matter how serious your concerns are. They would make it look like it's just a waste of their time. So if your health is suffering, for instance, they might fake concern, right? Some of them can really fake some uh, concern, but over time, they will just let you know that you're really bothering them, which can really hurt because when you're married to someone, you would think that you could share your burdens together. But these people, they they don't, (laughs) like I said, it's not a two-way street with them. They're only in the marriage for what they can get from you. They're not there to give you anything of value. So they will trivialize your um, concerns. They do not show empathy. When you're going through tough times, they just isolate you. Like they, they just, it's just none of their business, really. You know, you don't get that support from them. Um, another thing is they just are kind of absent. So an abuser they don't really participate in the relationship. As a woman, when you find yourself in a marriage where you feel alone because the things that should be done by you and your husband are just done by you alone. You bear all the responsibility of raising the kids. You bear the responsibility of running a home. Your husband is just there taking up space and getting bedroom benefits. That's abuse. My sister, see, you don't have to have someone slapping you or giving you a black eye before you consider it abuse. Marriage is supposed to be a partnership. So if you find yourself in a marriage where you're bearing all the burden, you're being abused, my sister. Marriage shouldn't be a place where you bear all the burden. The burden should be borne alongside with your husband. Yes, so those are some major, major signs of abuse. Um, Now, I mentioned the fact that an abuser kind of distorts your reality and makes you makes you question your own memory and that's something that's called gaslighting that's the that's the psychological term for that um hopefully on on a subsequent episode we can go even deeper into gaslighting because it's it's one major tactic that's so damaging and goes unnoticed at least to onlookers like the the victim knows that something's going on but they can't really place their finger on it um outsiders don't really get it as well they don't even like if the victim is trying to confide in someone they just sound like they're not making sense right (laughs) 
So this further isolates the victim. So gaslighting is one of such tactics that abusers use. We will go into that in a, maybe not the next episode, I don't know yet, but on a subsequent episode for sure. All right, my sisters, this is where we'll be wrapping up this episode. I hope that you found this um, two-part series on what emotional abuse is. I hope you've it's been enlightening for you and I know it's it was a lot to just dump on you in two episodes Um, I would encourage you to listen again to this episode and the previous one um, just to try and see if this is something that you've seen before in someone else's relationship or maybe you're sitting, seeing a pattern of some of the signs in your own marriage as well. Um, I mean, it's nothing to be scared of. See, my sister's knowledge is power. It is nothing to be scared of. Like the scripture that I read in the previous episode in the book of Proverbs 11.9 that says, We there was the godless destroy their friends, but knowledge will rescue the righteous. Knowledge is what's going to rescue you. I'm telling you, all those prayer meetings that you're going to, all those marriage conferences that you're going to, all those prayer lines that you're joining on your phone, praying that God will change your husband. My sister, the Bible says it is knowledge that's going to rescue you. So if you see that your marriage has or your husband has exhibits a lot of the signs, then at least you know what's happening to you, right? You know it's not your village people, okay? And someone might say, well, but my husband didn't used to be this way. Honey, anyone that's trying to marry someone isn't going to be this way when they first meet them. Nobody goes to the altar and says things like, I take you to be my lawfully wedded wife so that I can destroy you or shame you and blame you and destroy the person that you are. No, they would promise to love and cherish you. So when you get married to them and the mask comes off of their face and you see them for who they really are, Bible says knowledge will rescue you, my sister. I will leave it at that. (laughs) Until next time, until next episode where we get to talk about something else on the When Marriage Hurts podcast. My name is Ola Davis. Be careful for nothing and remember that Jesus loves you. Has this podcast blessed you? If yes, please head over to Apple Podcasts When Marriage Hurts and leave a written review for the show. It would be such a blessing to me to know that this show has impacted you in some ways. Also, share this podcast with a friend. Let's spread the word. Lastly, if you would like to be a part of a community of like-minded women of faith who are on a journey to living the best life God has for them despite their marriage challenges, join our Facebook group, When Marriage Hurts. Until next time, remember these words of Jesus. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest.